The Accounting Insider with Kim Nitschke. Welcome back to The Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kimbo, our last episode, we started drilling into your property experience. Um, We really looked at sort of the start, getting your first property, um, how to go about that first home, uh, getting really hands-on with renovations. You spoke about cows, which I had no idea about. <laughs> so it was a really interesting chat. So if you haven't listened to it, I recommend that you just go back an episode and just uh, have a bit of a listen. But we're now going to go a step further and we're going to drill down into the detail of buying property because it's quite interesting. And we were having a chat before we hit record and all of this stuff that you do, I just wouldn't have even thought about. <laughs> so I think it's gonna be really valuable for listeners, Kim. So um, yeah, let's get into it. But I guess, firstly, let's look at the real practical stuff of buying a property. What sort of steps do you go through? Okay, um, the first step I go through is I set up um, parameters on um, realestate.com.au so I specify a limit on what house price I want to pay so usually you know typically up to $600,000 and then I'll specify that I don't want to buy a unit I want to actually buy a house or a townhouse or a villa Uh, and then I specify all the suburbs that I'm interested in and the the nearby suburbs then every night uh, once I put the kids to bed I'll just flick through log on to realestate.com.au and I'll um, refresh the list of properties that have been recently updated that fit my criteria. And if there's any there that I like, I'll make a note and then I'll drive by those places on my way to dropping the kids off the next morning just to actually physically view them and make sure that they're in the right sort of location and they fit all my criteria. So I'll be looking what is, Yeah, what is the criteria? Yeah, so the, the criteria is pretty well, I don't want to be on a busy road. I don't want to be across the road from a school. I don't want to be under power lines. I don't want to be across the road from a power plant. Um, I um, don't want clear zones out the front of my house. I want a really nice, leafy, sleepy street, basically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and one that's nice and easy if I'm reversing a trailer out of the main road and I'm not going to kill myself. So it's a, it's a combo of your personal needs versus what's going to maximise the value of the place yeah yeah it is um it's just um I, I have had discussions with numerous bank managers on this point and they say that when property is running hot they don't really care where the property is but when things sort of start to slow down in the property industry they start ruling lines through houses on main roads things like that so you don't want to be caught out where the bank rings you and says your property that you've bought doesn't meet our parameters can you put some more money into it so that it all still stacks up because the the rules that you borrowed the money on three years ago now don't apply okay <laughs> well, the, well effectively they're saying the goalposts have moved yeah so you don't want you want to put yourself in strategically the best possible position for um you know the bank's criteria as you possibly can yeah okay so you find a place and you think right this is the one what process do you go through to actually make the offer or bid or whatever whatever you're looking at doing. Okay, so um, I, I will, so say I've driven past the place and I really like it, I'll ring the agent as soon as I've dropped the kids off at school and say, oh look, I want, I want to have a look through. If he's got inspections on Saturdays, I'll say, look, 
I'm really keen, I've got my finance approved, I want to look in before the first inspection. And usually, if they're keen, they'll say, oh, yeah, no worries, or um, they'll say, oh, I'll wait till the Saturday or whatever. If you can get in earlier, you, you, you're one step ahead of, ahead of the rest of the pack. Um, I'll get um, a building inspector to come through with me, and I'll try to get the most pedantic building inspector I possibly can, and I'll pay them 200 bucks to write a report and break down everything that's wrong with a property. And then I'll give that to the vendor, mm. and that sort of sets the framework. They're you know, packing death when they say this, <laughs> see this list. And that sets the framework for me to put my offer in. I'm, you know, basically, what is it? Um, jab, jab, right hook, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, that sort of mindset, soften them up a bit. Um, and then I'll be asking the agent to print out a list of all the comparative sales in that suburb so that I know I can drive around the streets and work out exactly what everything's been selling for so that I'm more up to date with all the prices pretty much than the, the owner and the agent or, or on an equal footing. Um, and then I'll sit down with the agent and I'll say, look, I'm really serious about this property. Can you give me a price that I can put it in where I, it puts me in the best possible framework? Now, they know what the price the, the vendor is going to um, sell for. It's just they don't like to often disclose it to you. So, but if you if you um, work well with the agent and build up a rapport with them, they'll often tell you more than they should. Because, you know, when, when they list the property, they actually sit down with the owner and say, okay, how much do you want for it? So they've had that discussion. Yeah. But when they relay it to you, it comes across more like, oh, we don't know, just put in your best offer. Well, that's not the sort of answer I want to hear. I want to hear, look, if you offer um, 575, you should have it in the bag. Right, so, so you you don't have a set number in mind necessarily when you start this conversation. You say, right, I want to, you know, I want to find out if this is realistic. You're more trying to build a picture as to where they're at. Yeah, I'm after a bargain, so I want to get it as low as possible. I'll have finance approved to say 700 if we're going in at 575, mm -hmm. so I know that I'm well and truly covered. Okay. But I, but I won't go in because I, I might find a place that's worth 300,000, or then you know it might be a bargain, so I'll be in the market for that. Or I might find a place worth six hundred thousand. I'll be in the market for that, just depending on the actual, you know, the property that you're looking at. Yeah, and that I think we're going to talk about it later. But I think it's a good point to now raise the issue of subject to finance. So you, what you're talking about here is you've got your finance locked away, mm -hmm. so you can, you know, you can play the game. Yeah. So if you you should have always done your homework before that, so that you're not putting in an offer and saying subject to finance, because really that's an inconvenience for the vendor. That's basically saying you haven't done your homework. If you've, you, if you've got approval from the bank, you can go in and you basically call it an unconditional cash offer. It's not cash because you're borrowing the money, but the vendors love that because as soon as they sign and you sign, you, either party can't get out of the contract and they've got a done deal. So a couple of tips on what I do um, in terms of the contract is I'll sit down with the agent and try to work out what the actual background to the person selling the property is. Often if it's an old granny moving into a retirement village, um, they might just want to live there for a, you know two or three months rent free, which I'm happy with if that's one of the key factors that's going to make my offer look more attractive than anyone else's. Um, and they might say, the agent will tell you whether a short settlement or a long settlement's better. Um, you know, what are their other factors like? Yeah, that's interesting because I wouldn't have even thought to make my offer stand out to actually look at some of the personal aspects. Mm. 
often there's other factors too, like um, you might walk around the place and the shed might be full of rubbish. And often vendors, uh, purchasers will say to the agent, look, I'm not settling until that shed's empty. Now, if you know that with a few mates and a skip bin, you can clean it out on a Saturday, but to an old granny, she physically can't lift all the crap that her husband's left in the shed. Mm. Well, then you might be able to say to the agent, look, I'll clean all the property up. Don't worry about it. Um, and that might be another factor that um, adds to her, um, you know, the reason that she might select your offer over someone else. There's a couple of other things that um, I do as well, which um, most people might not know about, but I put the offer in my name. So I put a Kim Nitschke or nominee on the contract. So that means that between when I sign the contract and when I actually physically settle, I can change the person's name that goes on the settlement document to be my wife, my family trust, you know, a friend's company, or someone might even tap you on the shoulder and say, look, I can't believe you bought that property. We had our hearts set on it. Here's another $20,000 over above what you paid. Are you happy to accept it? Now, you might say, well, that's a great deal to me because there's no risk. Mm. And uh, then they can just put their name on the contract instead of you. So mm. I'm not their name on the, on the title as yeah, opposed right. to you. Mm. Um, and what about deposits and things like that? What do you... Do you have a set way of looking at what amount of cash you put up straight away? Yeah, with the deposit, I just put down as little amount as I possibly can, um, bearing in mind that usually the agent chooses, they're happy to, to, usually they start out at 10%. Now, if you're buying a um, $600,000 property and it's 60 grand that sits in a real estate agent's trust account all the time between um, signing the contract and settlement, which might be 90 days, so it's really no good to anyone. So... um, Usually what happens at settlement is the agent takes the deposit and takes their commission out of that before flicking the balance over to the vendor. Mm. So usually you can know that the agents usually charge about 2%. So you can usually get away with a deposit around 2% so long as the agent knows that they don't have to knock on the land agent's door, land broker's door, and say, oh, look, can you pay us our commission out of settlement? They know that they've got it sitting in their trust account. So that's a massive difference. You might be able to save like 8%. Um, you know the difference between sixty grand and twelve grand mm. um, as the amount of the deposit, and there's no real benefit or loss for the vendor. It's just that if you're borrowing money um, at, from a bank, it's obviously cheaper if you pay twelve grand as a deposit as opposed to sixty. Mm. So the steps you've just taken us through is what I would describe as conservative, Kim. That's you know the conservative story as to how you would do things in an everyday way but tell us some of the quirkier stuff that you do yeah okay so whenever i'm trying to help someone out with buying a property 99 percent of the time that's what i've just described is stock standard everyone can do that it's not rocket science if you want to step out of your comfort zone which is where it all starts to getting a bit more fun um i um have the great little story about when um I'd just been married, we just had our first child and we were living in sort of more or less a hovel <laughs> and my wife was on to me, you know, every week, um, not every week, not an exaggeration, but regularly to, um, you know, let's get a better house, let's upgrade and I didn't have the money. So to buy some time, I said to her, okay, work out which suburb you want to um, live in and drive around and write down all the houses that you think would be suitable to us they might not be on the market but just write them down anyway and she said well that's fine I, you know i want a stone bungalow or a stone villa and i said well 
but also the extension at the back is is, is important because we didn't really want to at that stage have to cough up the money six months mm. down the track to do an extension. So I said, well, I think if you park your car halfway between the house that you're looking at and the neighbour's house and you look down the boundary, you'll be able to see whether they've got an extension on or not. And I said, and just confirm it by going to Google Earth and looking from you know, Google Earth to see whether the house has got an extension or not. So we did that and um, you know, sure enough, a week or so later, she came up with a list of all the suitable properties in the suburb that she wanted to live in. And this was getting to crunch time for me. And so I said to her, well, all right, well, let's write to those people and let's do a handwritten letter, put it in the letterbox and see how it goes. So we did that and we just wrote on a little, uh, you know, um, a little pad of paper, just a handwritten in blue, in blue pen, you know, we, we did a search at the land titles office for the 13 properties that we're interested in so we could do it as a personalized little note to the owners um you know dear mr and mrs thomas we walked past your house today really interested in it we live in the area we've got a growing family we need to upgrade we've got finance approved if ever you're interested in selling your property can you please give us a call so we basically did a letter drop for 13 houses thinking we'd never hear anything and i thought you know, this will just buy me another few months. We won't hear anything. It'll be a waste of time, but at least I'll sort of won't have to cough up with buying an expensive house. Anyway, lo and behold, three people rang up and said, "Look, we got your letter in our letterbox." Um, they thought that they we knew them because we knew their name. <laughs> so they said, "Oh, you know, do you know us?" Um, they said, "We're interested in selling. How did you know?" And so it was pretty amazing. And, you know, some of them were just saying, well, and then straight away I said, oh, well, have you got a price in mind? And they'd say, oh, no, we haven't. Or they'd ask me and say, look, can I have a look through? And two of them were just shopping for a really high price. They basically said, look, anything's for sale at a price, you name a great price and we'll talk turkey. I thought, well, that's sort of really not serious about selling. Whereas one person rang me and they said, look, we've actually found another place that we like and we're about to ring an agent. Do you want to have a look through? I said, love to. So we went and had a look, both agreed on the price, and it was a done deal. Well, I think it's really interesting because my perception of the property market is it is just so competitive. I mean, I've only bought my one first time a couple of years ago, and even that was just a pain in the ass. Just going through the standard channels of realestate.com.au, oh, this house looks great, call the agent, oh, it's under contract, it's under contract, it's under contract. You just constantly fighting with the pack so thinking outside the square picking out what you want actually contacting people and to get what three out of 13 contact mm. you back that's a bloody good strike rate oh it was fantastic and um this one that i got was just such a great deal and it worked in perfectly with these um these, these people these the owners plans we became great friends with them we agreed on a price which they were happy with we were happy with and everyone won and you know when the bank went through and valued it and all of that it all just stacked up and mm. just made perfect sense the, the beauty of doing that is, is exactly like you're saying you're the only person in the race mm. you haven't got this constant um threat used by a lot of agents today that you know, if you don't come up with an offer, we've got two or three people behind you that are going to mm. grab it if you don't. So you're constantly always paying more than you think you should. Mm. So did you get, and you didn't get an agent involved at Not all in at that all. process? Just so then there's the commission and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that so you, they, they knew that they were saving on commission, which was a big um, plus to them. They honestly felt sick about getting a property ready for inspection. So that was another huge win for them. 
They could just sell it, walk in, walk out, basically. I mean, I think the common thread for what we've talked about so far is you do things to try and separate yourself from the crowd, stand out, um, you know, get the extra detail, go the extra mile to make sure that your offer is separate from the rest. So I've done it on a number of occasions and it, and it still works and it's very relevant today just as when I did it, you know, back in 2007. Um, and I've done it on a number of occasions and it works. The only thing I've learned now is I, I need to photograph all of the properties, put their address and the name of the owner and the owner's telephone number all on an A4 page and keep it in my wallet because as soon as they ring you, they think you're the only person that you've that you've written to. So it's hard unless, you know, you, you, so they ring you and they go, oh, this is Mr. and Mrs. Thomas, or Mr. Thomas ringing um, about our house. And you're thinking, now, which of those 13 were you? <laughs> but if you've got that little piece of paper in okay. your pocket, you just pull it out and you say, just hold the line for a moment. I'm just in the middle of something. And then you go through the list and you go, ah, oh, there's Mr. Thomas, they're number four, they live in this house, that's what it looks like. And so you, you, know, yeah. you can go full into the conversation about their property. Now, do you do the same thing for commercial property? Yeah, I do. Um, it's a slightly different approach. I tried the letter drop approach with commercial uh, properties, which um, didn't work. So then I took it to the next level. I um, was in need of a commercial property, so then I... I um, I got in my car, drove around all the premises, and I wrote down the name of the business in the premises, and I went back to my office, and I rang them up. And I, it was quite interesting, because I know on one property that I was successful on, I rang up, and um, the receptionist answered the phone, and she said, um, who are you? And I gave her my name, and then she said, what are you ringing about? And so I said, I didn't even know the gentleman's name, because he had initials and then his last name. So I said, um, is Mr. Such and Such in the office, and, I, and she said yes. And what would you like to speak to him about? And I said, Oh well, I'm just ringing up to see whether he would be interested in selling his property. <laughs> and she said, You know, there was definitely silence for about ten or twenty seconds, and I'm thinking I'm either going to be hung up on here or uh, she's going <laughs> to give me a mouthful of abuse. Uh, anyway, twenty seconds later, she said, Just transferring you through. So I spoke to the owner of the property, and uh, one thing led to another. We had a coffee. Took him. Th- uh, exactly a year to the day of my phone call to come around to accepting the offer and um, then three or four months later I was moving in and it was all mine it was fantastic is that this building here? it's a building that we're sitting in now oh wow <laughs> that's awesome um, yeah the commercial side's interesting but it's that common thread of doing things differently which yes. I think stands out because it's it's another one of those standard world rules that we just we just follow without even thinking of okay I need a property you know I've got to call an agent I've got to go yeah. on the websites and you know everyone without even thinking just goes into that system but mm. you're quite the opposite yeah I, I, you know when I set up my accountancy practice Adelaide didn't need another accountant you know when we're knocking on these people's doors they don't. Um, they don't need to sell their property. You've got to come up with some um, meeting their needs, thinking outside the square, putting a deal on the table which is attractive to all parties, jumping the queue. Like there's, in Australia we're so lucky, we've got so many people, but there's so many people all trying to do exactly what we're doing. I'm constantly trying to differentiate myself, thinking outside the square, you know, coming up with a solution that no one else is doing. Now, most other people are too busy in their job to pick up the phone and ring someone and also too scared to um, 
pick up the phone and say to someone, are you interested in selling the property? Or usually, if you haven't got enough information, it's, are you the gentleman who owns the property on such and such a pro- uh, on such and such a road? And you know they get quite chuffed. Oh yeah, of course I am. I've owned it for such and such years. Then it's a case of being polite and, and building a relationship with them. And then you know you're their long lost son. Hmm. That's brilliant. Hmm. I think uh, I mean that's probably summarises the detail beautifully of what we wanted to get into. I th- I think we should continue this uh, property series in our next episode. Yeah, just one thing I wanted just to follow yeah, up on, do, on, on the podcast from last week. You, you asked a question about what my portfolio was and I said a large number, but I didn't explain the next comment that I've got debt associated with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like that's what I'm worth. Did you get people just like calling you asking for money? Yeah, All these handouts? Exactly. Like, oh, you know, Kim's <laughs> just said he's cashed up on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. So, no, so um, yeah, I just wanted to... It's a good qualifying uh, remark. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, but no, it still all works really well and it's a great system and I'm really happy with it. I'm happy to share my knowledge with anyone who wants some help. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Accounting Insider Podcast with Kim Nitschke. 